we're going to get right into the word of God. Anybody excited to worship in a free atmosphere? Amen. I love to come to the house of God and just know that he accepts me, know that he loves me and he cares about me. And Amen. We are on part four of our four-week series. We're closing out this week. Amen. I want to give you a little spreadsheet. Uh, actually, not a spreadsheet, a cheat sheet for next week. I challenge you, church, you want to bring your pens, you want to bring your notebooks. We're starting a four-week series in the month of February called A Labor of Love. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be looking at what it looks like, what would happen. Imagine this, church, what would happen if an entire church, an entire community of people rose up and actually did something crazy and lived like Christ? And I want to challenge you over the course of those four weeks to really live out the love that Jesus preached about. What would happen if you, if you, you may say to yourself, well, pastor, there's no blind people on the side of the road for me to stop for like Jesus. But man, there's some broken cars with blind people in them spiritually that you can stop and just shine your light of Christ. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, so let your light shine before men and let them see your good works that they may know the glory of God that is in you. Amen. So we're going to start a four week series. And I got some surprises for you, and I'm really excited about it. And if I'm excited about it, I think you should be. If not, don't come. It's cool. It's all right. I'm just playing. Jeremiah chapter 29. We're in verse 11 for the last four weeks. And we're talking about pursuing the purpose. You know, over the course of the last four weeks, we talked about how God has a purpose for you. God has an expected end for you. We talked about how God has an expected end and a purpose for those of you who aren't even qualified. When God speaks this prophetic letter, this is a prophetic letter he wrote uh, through the prophet Jeremiah. He's not talking to Jeremiah. He's talking through Jeremiah. And he says, hey, listen, Jeremiah, I want you to write this letter to the people that are in captivity in Babylon. Israel, once again, I'll just rephrase real quick. Backtrack for just the next five minutes. Israel, they fell into sin. The Babylonian army, God, he, he, he allowed them to come in. They destroyed the Israelite nation and took captive Tens of thousands of Israelites ripped them out of their hometowns and transplanted them into Babylon and took the Babylonian people and transplanted them into Israel. And now these Israelites have lost the promised land. They've lost everything. They don't even have a relationship with God. And the reason that is, I know that, is because God couldn't speak to them. He had to speak through a prophet to come to them because their ear was not, they didn't understand or recognize God's voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And so God couldn't speak to them because they had walked away from God. But yet, it is in this time that he sends this letter of promise to them. And he says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Remember that word plans? Some of your Bibles might say thoughts. I know the thoughts that I have for you. And that word thought, it means that I know the plans and the purpose that when you were in your mother's womb, I weaved into your life. It has this, this, uh, this idea inside of this word thoughts in the Hebrew, talk about weaving. And God says, I know what I've weaved into your life. I know what you're made of. I know the fabric of who you are. I know the character that I placed in you. He says, I know it. One, one translation of that word says, I know the forecast that is over your life. That's an awesome promise of God. God's not surprised. Nothing ever catches God by surprise. He knows all things at once. He knows what's coming your way. And God says to Israel, while they're in captivity, 
while they're like totally lost everything, they're in a mess. They're walked away from God. Whatever your situation is, you can apply it. And he says, hey, listen, you, by the way, who's in captivity, you who's full of sin, you who's walked away from my will, lost all the promises, not because of me, but because of yourself. He says, listen, I have plans for you. And then he says something really crazy to poor people. Anybody here a little bit poor? You don't have to raise your hand. Don't embarrass yourself. Alex, that scream is in, it's very distinguishable. I wouldn't do that. I just, uh, he says, he says, plans to prosper you. Isn't that just like God? That in your words, like you're the brokest ever. And some preacher comes in and says, God's going to bless you. You're like, yeah, right. Man. But God says to these people who are impoverished, many have lost mothers, fathers, uncles, sons, daughters in battle, killed on the way over, dropped dead on the thousand mile journey. And he says, but I have plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future. He says, plans not to harm you. God says, listen, this plan is not to harm you. And some of you say, well, but they were in captivity. Thousands died and God's plan wasn't to harm them. No, 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 no. That wasn't God's plan. They walked away from his will. Maybe some of you today, you've walked away from God's will. And his plan all along was not to harm you. But if you're feeling harmed, recognize you walked in here today not in God's plan. You may say over your life, you know, pastor, I got some things that are going on that just, they're really heavy stuff. There's stuff that's not comfortable, stuff that hurts. Small things, big things. Maybe it's things in the past that still linger when you wake up in the morning, you go to sleep at night, you toss and turn, thinking of what the enemy is doing in your life. Come on, I can't be the only one who he comes at night to try and steal your joy, amen? But yet, in the midst of all that, God says, I have a plan for you and a purpose for you. That's amazing. That's amazing. I have to stop it just for a second. I have a purpose for you. I could imagine the Israelites hearing this and they're just like, you had a purpose for me. I've walked away from your will. I've done so much wrong. I've done, man, I, we, we got the temple destroyed. Like, could you imagine if you sinned so much that somebody blew up the church? Like, that's how bad it was. Like, they came in there and just messed up the whole temple, stripped off all the gold. They lost the temple that Solomon built. They lost everything. And they're just like, dude, God, could you really have a plan for us? And God's like, yeah. And I have an expected end. I have an expectation for your life. Amen. Listen, I don't care who you are under the sound of my voice. God has a purpose for you. God absolutely has a purpose for you. You were not made for nothing. Nothing even on this altar, nothing in this building. Everything is for a designed purpose. Everything we see in existence has a purpose. And just because you're not walking in God's will doesn't disqualify you for God's purpose. And, and furthermore, you can't tell God what you're going to be. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a man plots his way in his heart, but the Lord orders his steps. Could you imagine one day if you're putting on your shoes and Carlos, your little shoe says, I don't want to be a shoe. From now on, I'm going to be a shirt. It just sounds dumb. That's just absurd. Could you imagine you pick up your cell phone to make a call? It's not calling. And then Siri, for all my Apple users, Siri says, hey, listen, from now on, I'm just going to be a calculator. That's a, that's a, that's a $500 calculator. Could you imagine you hop in your car? Carlos, you hop in your nice Ford F-150, right? F-150, you got something like that? Big baller boy, like. You hop in that big man truck, you know, that big boy, I'm just bigger than you. I just, you hop in that big truck and you go to turn the ignition on and that thing says, uh-uh, from now on, I want to be an illegal go-kart. 
He just downgrades himself like that. Cell phones wanting to be calculators. Shoes wanting to be socks. What's wrong with this world? It's a mess. You guys are laughing, but some of you were called to be pastors. You're saying, I want to be a sinner. Some of you were called to be evangelists. You're saying, I'm okay sitting on a bench in my church. Some of you were called to be great men and women of God. Some of you were called just to be lights for Christ. Living a life of righteousness, a life of holiness, a life of, of just chasing after the will of God. And you're saying, I'd rather just be a bench warmer. I'd rather be the guy who, who loves God but still is addicted to porn. I'd rather be the guy who just loves God and I'm still dealing with cigarettes. I'd rather be the guy who I just love God but I'm still fornicating. I'm still this. So you're downgrading yourself. You're laughing at this shoe that wants to be a sock, but you're a preacher that wants to be a drug dealer. Purpose cannot be taken out of you because when God created you, he weaved it into you. And so every time God looks at you, he doesn't see the sinner in you. He says, for I know the plans that I put in you and I still see the recipe that is your life. And I know what I've called you to do. And if you would just begin to stir it up and you would begin to trust in me, man, I don't care where you've gone in your life. God says, I can take you. I can clean you up. Jesus said in Matthew 26, come to me all who are weary and I'll give you rest. But I'm not talking about purpose today. I want to focus on the first word of our series, which is pursuing the purpose. What does it look like to pursue God? And I want to take this from a very simple relational standpoint. If you would just turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29, verse 12. We focused on 11, but for the next uh, one week, well today, rather, I want to focus on 12 and 13, where the promise of God, he says this in Jeremiah 29, verse 12. Then you will call, call on me. And you will come and pray to me. And hear what God says. And I will, I will, I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me. Yeah, you will seek me. And not only will you seek me, this is crazy. You're going to find me. Conjunction, when? <laughs> when you seek me. With all of your heart. Verse 14 is beautiful. It says, and I'll, I'll be found by you. Could you imagine God just playing peekaboo with you? Peekaboo. I'm here. Marco, Marco Polo. Marco Polo. You got me. It's me, Jesus. I'm hiding behind the couch the whole time. Just, I'm just kidding about that. He's not hiding, but sometimes we hide him in our lives. We hide our Bibles behind our couches and we have more dust on our Bible than we have power. And, and our Bible, if your Bible looks brand new, it's a problem. If one of mine does, it's because I have six. <clears throat> if your Bible's torn apart, your life is not. I'll bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Come on, by your heads, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, hide me behind your cross. Less of me, more of you, Father God. God, you called this church to be a place of just judgment-free, God. And the reason for that, God, is because you're the only judge here. Your word declares that not only are you a judge, but you gave your son the power to be our judge and only him. And so, Father, as we hear this word, let it saturate or penetrate our hearts, God. Let us not think of others, but think of ourselves and apply every single word that you prepared for us today, God, in this moment. Let us, God, hear it for ourselves. Let us not say, mm, I know who that's for, but let us say, man, that really hit home in my own heart. 
Let us be doers of the word today, God, not just hearers. That we might be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pursuing God. You know, if you look at the word pursuit, it means to really chase down something. When you think of a a pursuit, I think of maybe a, a police pursuit. You ever watch those shows on TV, you know, World's Craziest Chases, World's Wildest Police Videos? I used to love them. I don't love them that much anymore. I used to love that stuff. And you see, like, a a lot of pursuits. I think of pursuit. One of the first names that come to mind, O.J. Simpson. Every time I hear the word pursuit. And, uh, yeah, no, no, that's not even a joke, guys. I was just just talking. (laughs) And I think of pursuing, but also, now we can get down to it. When I think of the word pursue, I think of my wife. I think of my wife because when I first met her on Facebook, as we did meet on Facebook, thank God for Facebook, social networks. I met my wonderful wife uh, on Valentine's Day. She friended me at about midnight and I said, praise God. I looked at her picture and I kid you not, from the moment I saw her picture, I said, you know what, God, I think I'm going to keep this one. And uh, some of you may think that's crazy, but I know purpose when I see it. And so... Uh, that night I really knew God really called me crazy. He spoke to me and I was just like enthralled and the pursuit was on. Any fellas in a place with a wife or a girl, just lift your hands for me. Come on, anybody in? I mean, unless, you know, unless you got a real forthright young lady next to your side or, or elderly lady, depending how old you are. Um, nobody here's old. We're all young in the spirits. Um, you had to chase her down, drop some lines on her, you know, whatever it was. And just, you know, just this cheesiest lines when we grew up is, did it hurt what, when you fell from heaven? No. All that stuff. I didn't use lines like that. I said something like, hey, yo, girl, can I pray for you? Like, I'm a pastor. No, I'm just kidding. I thought about the pursuit of chasing a relationship with her. I remember one day, she was just in a hard time in her life. And uh, I remember one day I'm sitting in my car and I, and uh, she didn't want me to talk about our first date, but I can't talk about that. Not that anything bad happened, but we have conflicting stories about that. I say she asked me out. She says it wasn't even a date. And I said, whatever, but I'm not going to talk about that. Because I don't want to get in trouble when I go home that she asked me out on the first date. But um, she didn't. She really didn't, but I say it was. She didn't know she was on a date. Fellas, have you ever been on a date that she ain't know was on a date? Like, she didn't know. But she would, you told all your boys, I'm going on a date. And, like, she's like, yeah, I'm hanging out with a friend. He's been like jockeying me, and I finally said, "Yeah, but call me at call me at nine thirty, and I can say my mother needs me at home." So uh, she didn't know she was on a date, and nobody called her, so it turned into a date. I don't care what no one says. And then that same night, I made her come to the church because she told me she sings. And I, one of my, I had you know a few qualifications. I know some of you have heard this story, but bear with me. I said, "God, I want a curly head girl," which she kind of straightens her hair all the time now, so I, I lost out on that one. But I feel like I'm, I'm married to two women, so it works. I feel like Abraham. So, um, and so I told God, I told God the height. I told God the color eyes I wanted. I told her before service, I'm not going to talk about you all service long. Like, why? And I, one thing I told God was, I want a woman that loves you and a woman that can worship and sing. Because I always imagine myself having a, a wife as a worship leader uh, and meet dynamic duo and this and that. And so... I said to her that night, she told me she could sing and I, so you know me, I brought her right here. I stood right there. I threw a mic in her hand. She's like, what's this for? You're going to sing, girl. And uh, we sang all night long and, and, and it, was, it was amazing. And she didn't know at that point, but I already knew. When she, when she sang, we got married. 
she didn't recognize that. But but moving forward, I really began to pursue her. And I remember one time I sat down in the car with her and I said, so uh, what you think? You and me at some point, you know, I know you're going through some stuff right now, but what's up? And uh, she was like, uh, she hit me with the I- IDK. And I was like, IDK? What you mean IDK? I don't know. What, what's that mean? And she's like, I just don't know. And I was like, all right. And I went home and I was so sad. I was so, I don't know if I told you that. I was so hurt. And I was like, man, Lord, I thought, thought this was the one. He's like, my time, not yours. And I'm like, yeah, but I have your time because you made time. So this is your time. So all time is your time, Lord. He's like, listen, kid, don't talk to me like that. I'm God. I'm big. I'm God. I'm your father. You're just my son. Shut your mouth and just let me work. I'm like, all right, God. But all the time I pursued her. I called her. I texted her. I Facebooked her. I showed up at her house unexpected. I'm just kidding. I never did that. And, and, and you know what happened was that she began to fall for me. And it was excellent. You could tell when a girl's falling for you. It's when she texts you first in the morning, cha-ching, you're in. For all my single fellas, if she texts you first, you're in. It's kind of it's almost the same thing with God when you chase your relationship with him and you pursue him because you care about him, because you want to be with him, because you love him. And you wake up first thing in the morning, he's like, come on, talk to me. Oh, man, it's a beautiful thing to have that level of just God in your life. But the Bible gives certain requirements to pursuing something, to pursue it. And it's kind of the same, and it works the same with relationships, with, with the, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. And the reason is because God is a relational God, not a religious God. He's not a religious. It's not about what you do and what you don't do. Works can never get you into heaven. What you do or how good you are will never get you into heaven. Because if, if you get to heaven based on how good you kept the Ten Commandments and all that stuff, listen, that's great. And I live my life by it. I do. But all my hope and all my faith is in Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells me he fulfilled the law that I wouldn't have to. The Bible says just by the same way that Adam sinned and all got sin in them, Jesus was holy and all had the potential to be holy if you would call upon him and we would accept his sacrifice is somebody with me today and so and so i realized that it's not based on my works but yet the bible says that i should do good works but as i do my good works listen i'm not going to heaven because i preach i know preachers are going to hell i'm going to heaven based on my personal relationship with jesus christ not the works that I do. And so as I chase God, verse uh, 13 really says it. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Fellas, any good girl, any good girl, any smart woman in, in your life, and women's likewise, any smart man in your life will want all of you and not part of you. Listen, if someone's okay with having a part of you, it's because they're okay with having a part of you. And that means that they want, they, they want to be able to do what they want to do. And so you thought you were dating them, but they were dating you and your cousin or you and somebody else. And, 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 and he did this or she did that. But yet, when you do it with all of your heart and you're all in, ladies, be careful with a guy who says something like, so he says something like, I don't give my everything at first. Well, how else could you do it? With? You give everything. You say, hey, listen, you know what, God? We don't come before the Lord and say, hey, God, God, I'm just going to give you, I'm going to give you just a part of my, my life. 
God doesn't want visitation. He wants like full custody. Yeah, you, you have to. Yeah, and when it comes to relationship, first of all, you just have to check all the parameters and make sure they fit your life before you go into that. Can we be boyfriend and girlfriend phase? And so when you get to that phase, it's because you've already established that you're going to put forth everything. Ladies, same thing. You put forth everything. So you know what? And that don't mean everything. I'm just, you know, relational. Don't give up everything. I'll leave it at that. Be holy. No, seriously, be holy. But be single-minded. My sister used to come up to me when I was first uh, met my lovely wife, and she would say, and she would say, hey, Felipe, because that's my middle name, for those of you who don't know. And my whole family calls me Felipe because in Puerto Rican families, they call you by your middle name. And so, and so, and so she said, are you in a committed monogamous relationship with Yesenia? And I had to look up that word monogamous because I didn't know what it was at first. And I was like, what is monogamous? And it just means, you know, one person. And I got to a point and I was like, yes, I am. I am, why? Because she's all I wanted. And, and I wasn't like some pimp or player, but I had other girls that I was talking to. Because the Bible said, he who finds in life, finds the good things. So I was looking everywhere. Every, every stone, just looked, are you there, girl? Every church service, I'm short, so I just... I love pitched churches. I could see everybody from my seat. And back then, I was really, anybody know what I'm talking about? You're on the prowl. You look at everything. But when I, when I found her, I had to text a couple of girls who I wasn't messing with them. We were just like friends. And we were literally just friends. Fellas, this, you have just friends? Listen, ain't no girl going to really stand for just friends. And so just friends could be just a problem. And so, and so I texted them all. And I said, hey, listen, man. I said, I said, hey, listen, girl. Me and you. We ain't never had nothing, but if we thought we'd gonna, it's done. Because I done found the one. And some of them got mad, and so I was, I was cool with that. Some folks, you know, just got all mad. and just Some people liked me who I didn't even know. They left the church when I, when I bring my wife in here, and I made it known. I said, listen, she ain't the first lady. She's the only lady. And, and no, yeah, she's. And so, and so I let go of things that I knew wouldn't please her. And I kind of made mental notes. We'd have long conversations. She said, I don't like guys that do this. And I'm like, mm, I do that a lot. Got to change that. I don't like guys who do this. Like, mm, got to do that a lot. Got to change. Some of them I got away with, like, you know, dishes and stuff. But anyways, um, I chased after her. I'm, I'm trying to build a point. I'm not just talking. I'm building a foundation for you to understand. I changed things in my life because I desired to draw near to her. And as I did that, something crazy happened. She reciprocated that. Big word, yeah, it just means she, she, she showed me the same affection. I remember I had this dumb, cheesy lines, and I would drop her off, and I'd be like, thank you for your time tonight, young lady. And she'd just look at me and shake her head, and every night I would say that. And to the, and so the reason I said it, because I wanted to know if she enjoyed herself. She got to the point where she was like, thank you for your time. And I was like, yeah, I got her. Uh-huh. Went home, did the Carlton dance in my bedroom. Uh-huh. But it was just the first part, because I don't know the rest of it, so I just stopped, and and I pursued her with all my heart. And I remember when I, when I, um, when I pursued her with all my heart, and I, I let everything to the side, that I was vulnerable in the sense of either she's going to take this and we're going to be something awesome because she's awesome and I'm awesome. And awesome times two is just, you know, a lot. It's like awesome squared. And, and I said, either that's going to happen or I'm just going to be like one rejected pastor preaching about, you know, depression for the next three weeks because I got shut down. This is over the course from February to, to June, July, we started dating. And, and then 
by, by, by February of the next year, or January rather, I had it in my mind. I wanted to propose to her. And so we met in February. The next February, I proposed to her. And God provided everything. He provided all the wedding things. He provided the money. He provided the rings, scot-free. I mean, everything. God provided everything. I knew it was purpose. It don't mean that we have the perfect relationship. Things happen. But yet purpose brings provision. Whenever there is vision, God brings provision. God will supply all the needs. And so as we got closer and closer, I proposed to her. She thought I was kidding because I always fool around. I'm sitting there on one knee in the middle of Asian Bistro, my whole family there, her family there. And I'm on one knee. I'm like, girl, I love you. I want to marry you for the rest of my life. She's like, get up off the floor. You look stupid. <laughs> I'm like, I'm proposing. She's like, what? What? I don't know why. I don't know why you cover your mouth, people, when you scream. I know what's behind it. It's a mouth. Surprise, I have a mouth here. I didn't. And so I was just like, man, oh, my God. And she's like, oh, my God. It's like, yes, yes. And I'm like telling the chef to make a big fire or something. We were at, a, we were at the hibachi. I'm like, fuego, fire. Ching, ching, whatever it was. I mean, come on, make a fire. And so, and so he's making a fire. No, he, that, that didn't happen. I made that all up, that last, last part. There was no fire. But um, a couple, the next day or a couple days later, somebody says, um, do you have a date? The dumb question. Do you have a date? Like, we just got engaged. I'm not going to have a date. I'm like, do you have a date? May 27th. <laughs> I had a date. Because I had purpose. I had purpose. And I said, why is that phone always ringing during service? Now, what's wrong with y'all people? Don't people know we're in church? That ain't Jesus. That ain't Jesus. And so, and so I gave up everything for her. I had to change a lot of who I was for her. And the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8, I'm going somewhere. He says, if you would draw near unto me, I will draw near unto you. The rest of that verse says, hey, you, you, you sinners, wash your hands, you sinners. Wash them and come to the Lord in righteousness. You can't come to God any kind of way. He accepts you as you are, but when you come into his presence, you've got to change because God cannot come near to you when you are in sin. God can embrace you in sin, but he cannot live in you with sin living in you. He'll come to where you are. God will come. He will. And sometimes he'll draw you in to come. But yet the Bible says that we have to live holy for God is holy. And James says, if you would draw near to God, God will draw near to you. You sinners, he says, clean your hands. James 4, 8. I'm still in the same verse. And then the last part, he goes, oh, ye double-minded. That word double-minded in the Greek is the word dipsychos, di- which means die is the word Greek word for two, and psychos is the word for like, character, personality, psychos, you know? And he says, uh, basically, you people who have a dual personality, half of you loves God, but half of you loves the world. Half of you is in love with God, but the other part of you, you're not sold out to God. You're not giving God everything. It's not with your whole heart. He says, you people, you dipsychos who are in the church, but yet not really in the church. You people who are in the body as like, you know, something but not part of the body, you. He says, you double-minded who all throughout the week struggle in your faith. And it's okay to struggle in your faith, but at some point, Hebrews 6, you have to move on to maturity. Set aside the sins that so easily beset you. And he says, listen, you, 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 double-minded. If you would draw near into God, God would draw near into you. It's not that hard. God is a what? He's a reactive God. If you seek, you'll find. 
you ask, it'll be given to you. It doesn't have to be real deep. That's just so simple. He says, look, I stand at the door, Revelations, and I knock. And any man who answers it, I will come in and I will sup with him and I will break bread with him. That's the promise of God. He's standing at the heart's door to knock. He says there, verse 12, you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen. I will not turn you down. I'm a God who loves you and I will listen to you. Okay, I got about four amens. God, that's amazing that God has time to listen to you. He's pretty busy keeping the sun suspended, the earth on its rotation. And he's doing all this stuff in the galaxy, but yet our God has time to listen to us. He says, I'll listen to you. That doesn't sound like some religious God. I'll take some time out and listen to you because I love you. For God so loved the world. John 3, 16, he gave his only begotten, the first fruit son. I gave that son that any who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me. When? He says, that's a conjunction. Verse 12, it says, then you will call upon me. See, verse 12, first word, then also a conjunction. And this conjunction, it ties two thoughts together in in vocabulary and in literature. It ties two thoughts together. And this word then ties the thought of verse 10 into verse 12. Verse 10 is where God says, hey, listen, by the way, because you sinned, you're going to spend 70 years in captivity. So sorry. There's still punishments. But he says in verse 11, but yet I have a plan for you. And then verse 12, and he says, then after, after you go through the time of hardship that you cause in your life through sin, then you will seek me and find me. You will call upon me. I will listen to you. You'll pray to me and I will, I will come into your heart because you've given me all of your heart. David, the psalmist, when his enemies were coming against him, he would say, Lord, it's with my whole heart that I'm searching you. You've heard me say that so many times. The Bible calls David a man after his own heart. David had a problem. David was a sinner. He was a murderer, an adulterer. And yes, God forgave him and he remembered those things no more. But David was a man after God's heart. I don't know if you ever thought about that. He was pursuing God's heart. It didn't mean that he was like God or he would do things that were godly. It didn't mean that he would like do great things for God. It meant that he chased God's heart. Even in spite of all of his mistakes, in spite of the fact that he was a murderer, he had so many things wrong with him, he pursued a relationship with God. He never let the fact that he messed up stop him. He took every uh, stumbling block and made it into a sort of a stepping stone. And he built off of his mistakes and and from his biggest mistake, Bathsheba, came his greatest blessing, son Solomon. And God, Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things can work together for the good of those that love him according to his purpose. And so God, God says, David was a man after my heart. I want you to come after, somebody say after my heart. You can have purpose in your life, that's fine. But you know what activates purpose? Prayer. Prayer activates purpose. It was the plan on the day of Pentecost. Jesus had purposed the 12 disciples to be great, mighty men of God. He purposed them to be world changers. He purposed them to be uh, healers and prophets. And he purposed them to be evangelists and pastors. He purposed them, but yet purpose did not come until they prayed. And when they sought after God, the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit blew into that place like a rushing mighty wind. And, and they gave their all to God. They sought him with their whole heart. They did not leave the room. They were up there for probably close to 50 days. Yeah, 
about 50 days praying. How do you know it's 50 days? Jesus was resurrected around the time of harvest. The barley harvest. And for those of you who don't know what Pentecost is, Penta is the word 50. I learned this from my pastor. Penta is the word 50 in, in, in Greek. and it's a, it's a measure. And what happens is, is when the, the barley harvest would come, they would take the closest Sunday. And from that Sunday on, they would count 50. 50 Sundays. And then on the 50th Sunday was the next harvest. It was the next harvest, the wheat harvest. First the barley harvest, then the wheat harvest. And on the 50th day, there was a great harvest all over Israel. Maybe you're not getting this. Maybe you don't understand it yet. Jesus was the first fruit. He was the first harvest that God took. He said, the first one belongs to me. He took him back up into heaven. They counted 50 days and they prayed for 50 days. And the Bible says that on the 50th day, the harvest came. And at the end of the day, 3,000 souls, a great harvest was added to the church. By the end of the week, 8,000 souls were added to the church. By the end of the decade, the gospel of Jesus Christ flooded the entire Roman Empire. Within 50 years, there was hundreds and thousands of believers because men and women of God drew near unto God with all of their heart. And in that moment, God came and he flooded them with the harvest and purpose was activated in them and purpose flowed out of them. And they would walk by people in the shadows, would heal people. They would walk into the city and they would cast out demons. They would heal the blind and save the lost. Why? Because they prayed and purpose came. You can't desire purpose without prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 declares that if my people who are called by my name, not by the name of your church, not by the name of your pastor, not by your leader, but by my name, the name Yahweh, I am God, everlasting, the ineffable, immutable, unchangeable name of the living God who are called by my name. If you would humble yourself and pray and seek my face. I, if you can then, the big part, you have to turn from your wicked ways. <clears throat> turn from your wicked ways. Then, then, another conjunction, then, somebody say, then, I will hear from heaven and heal all the church, right? No. Come on, honey. No. He says, I'll heal the land. And you might say, God, why heal the land? Man, God, why heal me, God, heal me. Because you don't realize you are the land. God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. When Adam sinned, God cursed the land. He ain't cursed man. He cursed the land for man's sake, then cursed the woman and said, Hey, man, because I cursed the woman and because I cursed the land, your life's going to be hell. He said, By the sweat of your brow, you will toil the land. You will work the land with the, by the sweat of your brow. And God says, I'll heal the land. And maybe you may say to me, Pastor, you know, I, I, I would much prefer God to heal me. And I came to tell you that you are the land. For when you die, God forbid, whenever that day comes, you're going to be put back into the land. And so you, you just still don't get it. And that's fine. I study. That's okay. And so, and so your grandparents died and maybe they had an addiction. Maybe they had an addiction to alcohol. Maybe someone in your family was gunned down and in violence, and that spirit of, of violence was upon them, and that curse of violence is upon our city. I don't know if you know that Bridgeport has a, has a, has a demonic homicidal spirit in it. Bridgeport has a drug addicted spirit, a spirit of poverty in it, and people who are, they die poor and go back into the, they go back into the land, 
And that's why I think this is spiritual. This is really deep. Now I know, I know. Uh, I don't. Uh, Jesus cast out the demons out of the pig, or out, rather, out of the man into the pigs. What did the demons say to Jesus? <clears throat> Suffer us not to leave the region, because demons are assigned to certain regions. There's demons that are in Bridgeport that can't leave Bridgeport. That's why somebody moves out of Bridgeport and says, "Oh my God, I feel so free." Uh, of course. Because you moved outside the homicidal poverty spirit that is over Bridgeport. That's too deep for some of you. That's okay. And so God says, listen, listen, listen. All those people who died and still dispersed that generational curse. Listen, I'll heal that curse out of the roots of your family. I'll break that curse out of the roots of your father, out of your mother, your great-grandfather, Pepe, whatever his name is, and Maria, and whoever's in your family. God says, I'll break the curse. I'll heal the land. If you would come after me and turn from your wicked ways, and you would seek me. When you seek me, he says, you'll find me. Verse 13, Jeremiah 29. When you seek me with all of your heart. And so over the past three weeks, we've seen hundreds for the sanctuary. Hundreds. Hundreds over the last month, a thousand two hundred people have come to the website looking at our sermons, and, and 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 you look at all this stuff that's going on, and people have heard all this stuff, and now they're amped up. I got a purpose. I got a purpose. Well, I came and built that whole foundation for three weeks to let you know purpose will never come without prayer. Purpose is already in you. It's like getting one of those little box cakes. All you got to do is add a couple ingredients: eggs, a little bit of oil, a little bit of water. Purpose is in you. You need to add some prayer. Add some Bible study. Add the things of righteousness into your life. Be, the Bible says in Timothy, to show thyself approved. Study to show thyself approved. A, a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so God says, listen, if you want that purpose that you know you have. Because some of you, for the last three weeks, you're like, yes, I have purpose. Yes. And at the end of the service, what's your purpose? I, I don't know. I, I just have it. And we know the great purpose. We know the great commission. Listen, church, we know that the purpose is to lead people to Christ. No matter what God has for you to do, the end goal is to lead someone to Christ. Whether I start to do it, I do it through worship sometimes. Sometimes I do it through song. I do it through music. Sometimes I do it through counseling. Sometimes I do it through preaching. Sometimes I'll do it through cooking a meal and having someone come to my house and not preach to them and let them see Christ in me. And so you have to ask God, what is the way that you want me to express my purpose that the world may see you? Because Jesus said, if I be lifted high, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men unto me. Is anybody here with me today? You need intimacy. I'm closing up right now. You need intimacy with God. You know, I like that word intimacy. I like to kind of break it up into, into, into different syllables. And, and I want, maybe, maybe, maybe this will help you with, with the word intimacy. Into me see. Yeah, God says, listen, I want to have intimacy. That means I want you to see into me and get to know me. I want to know my heart. Could you imagine what would happen if you began to have the heart of God? Not the heart of just religion. Of, that's wrong. That's sinful. This is this. This is No, the heart of God. Because that's not how God came to me. He came to me and said, hey, listen, there's some things in your life that's just really not kosher. And I can change them for you if you let me. He didn't come down and beat me down. I was already beat down. Sin did that to me. My bad choices did it to me. And when God came, he showed me love. He showed me redemption. He showed me the truth. He who the Son says free is free indeed. Amen? And so, you have to have intimacy with God. When you seek God 
with all of your heart as, as Jeremiah told the people to do. When you seek God with all of your heart, when you do that, you develop intimacy with God. And you begin to see into the heart of God. You begin to see into your purpose. It begins to saturate your body and, and, and he begins to give you a burden for the lost. He begins to give you a heart. And maybe, listen, maybe some of you have been in church a long time and still you don't have a burden for the lost. Maybe you just have a burden for more of God for yourself. And that's not God's plan. God's not planning for you to be spiritually fat. He wants you to just get it all out. He wants to pour in so you can pour out, pour in, pour out, pour in, pour out. God's not concerned with how, how spiritual you can get and how much Bible knowledge you can have. Some of the most astute, studied biblical people I know, and I'm not saying don't study the Bible, do it. I know some of the most educated people in the world. I really do. I know one of the smartest women in the world. I really do. Can't get her church past five people. It's not about your knowledge. Some of you feel disqualified to share the gospel. And then I have a friend of mine, too, who he's over in Justin Kendrick, over in City Church in, um, in New Haven, Connecticut. And I love this man of God with all my heart. His authenticity for God is just so amazing. He planted a church with 350 people doing two services on a Sunday in a theater over in New Haven. Uh, and he's just like, you know, just going crazy for God. He didn't have a building. He's just doing it in the streets. He had a, he had a church service in a bar. It was crazy. People coming to get saved and, and just hitting the streets, and, and this guy, I was talking to him one day about just feeling inadequate, like maybe God hasn't called me to do that. He's like, listen, dude, dude, listen to me. I went to Southern. I'm like, I went to who's tonic, man? That's even worse. He's like, I went to Southern. I'm like, yeah. He's like, half the guys in my church are from Yale. And I have, I have people with MBAs and masters and doctorates coming into my church, sitting down and, and hearing the word of God in a way they've never heard it before. And his church is just blowing up because you know what? It's not about how much you can learn about God. It's how much you can know God. Listen, let me tell you something. True story here. And this can apply to anybody. And I'll close with this right here. There's some things that people can come to me and they can come to me and say, and say, oh my God, I was at the grocery store and I saw Carlos Corres and he karate chopped this dude in the neck because the dude said something wrong to him. And I would be like, you know what? That's probably true. I can really, because I, I, I know Carlos. He's a martial artist. He probably would just, Hota! whatever, you know. Just chop him in the neck. But if you come to me and say, hey, Carlos Corres kicked this lady uh, in line because she cut him. And uh, she was like, you know, on a cane. He kicked her cane. She fell. I would say that's not in Carlos's character. He would defend himself. He would never assault no one. He's a new man in Christ. I know his character. There's nothing. There's, there's, listen, you can never lie to me and say my brother did something. I know my brother so well, inside out. I know him. I know him. You can never walk up to me and tell me my brother looks worried. My brother never worries. Immovable, unshakable. He doesn't worry. I know his character. I know what's in him. I do. I really do. What is in you that God sees? Do you know God? Do you know God? Some of us have a knowledge of God. We read the Bible 24-7, but we never had a relationship with God. Some of you, some of you, we, 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 we take understanding the Bible. We, listen, don't misinterpret the fact that you read a commentary where you, you, you broke down pastor's notes that he got from God. That's not God speaking to you. I'm so sorry. Right now, yeah, he's speaking to us, but that's not a relationship with God. That's, that's like watching a movie that I made and saying you made it. 
What do you have with God? What's in you? What's your character with God that will release your purpose? What's your relationship with God look like? Are you looking into his heart? Do you care about the lost? Do you have the heart for the people around you? Listen, we're still in January, and we have the opportunity this year to be a church. Listen, you know, I really, with all my heart this year, come hell or high water, and hell's already come at me. I'm just waiting for high water. I want to be a pastor that pastors a church with people who are passionate for the lost. That when someone comes in, we're not saying, oh my God, look at Jose. He's wearing a nose ring and he's a guy. Definitely gay. No. No. Oh my God, look at pastor. He's wearing jeans. That's not in the Bible. Show me. No, it's not about that. It's not, no. It's about having a heart for people. You know, I think one of the things we need to do as Christians is, is, is change our auto response. Our answering machine to the things of the world is wrong because most of us, our first thing is to judge. That's what we do. Whoever just did that, hmm, hmm. You see what he came in here with? Hmm. Stephen wearing earrings. Hmm. Stephen had a hat on. Hmm. Pastor has a beard. So did Jesus. And they pulled it out, but don't get no ideas. The Bible says that when Job went to pray, he took off his nose ring. Whatever. Job had a nose ring. We can't get caught up in all the do's and don'ts because the Bible said that Jesus, he fulfilled all the laws. And listen, it's not a license to sin. It's a license to be holy before God. Grace is not the way to sin. It's to be holy before the Lord and to come in. How can people ever change if we haven't changed? What do you mean, pastor? If we're saved now and all we do is come to church and judge people because we're saved and they're not? You're not changed. You're exactly who Jesus was up against in the Bible. He had a group of people who were just stuck to the law. They were called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were stuck to all the right things to do and how to do them. And they would come at Jesus. Why don't your disciples wash your hands the way we did? Or why don't your church praise and worship like ours does? It doesn't matter. Why does it matter? Jesus said, listen, get out. You, you guys, he said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You look righteous because you have the appearance of righteousness, but you're a tomb. You're a, you're a sarcophagus. You're an empty tomb inside. He said, you put on burdens around people's neck and I, the, the connotation is you pick a burden like the mafia, a cinder block and a chain, you put it around their neck and toss them in the ocean and you put burdens around them that you can't even carry whitewashed tombs he called them and, and some of you are clapping I really like when you guys clap, it makes me feel kind of good and fuzzy on the inside but some of you are exactly like that that we judge others we, we look at other people and say, well, they're not living God the way I do. And maybe their church isn't like mine, or maybe they're not like this, or they're not like that. And I think that we should feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because I learned something from a friend of mine, Pastor Jay Ross, before he moved to Arizona. I had an issue with some churches and, and some people who just didn't like me because um, I had colored lights in my church. And I told them that Jesus was the light of the world. And then say he was the white light or the yellow light. He could be green, blue, and yellow. So I put him all in my church. And so, and so they didn't like that. And so we kind of got into, it wasn't a fight or an argument. There was just a disagreement between churches. And, and, um, and I had this thought when I went to the concert the other day, and, and I had this thought that um, I saw a lot of people there from all different churches in Bridgeport, some who, who, who love me, some who don't like me. And that's all right. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about nobody. But, and and um, the reason why is I've caught a lot of flack for putting lighting in my church. And, 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 and when the lights hit during a concert, they're all jumping and praising God. And I was like, man, I do this every Sunday. No offense to no one. Is it only cool at concerts? 
And so my friend told me this when I was really down and out because I was naive coming to the body of Christ thinking pastors are just loving people and they'll accept you because you're young and trying to serve after God's heart. And he gave me a piece of information that I want you to live your life by, honestly. This is powerful. Maybe I shared it with some of you one-on-one feature or whatever else. He said, listen, Burgos, what they're doing is still church and what you're doing is church. He said, whether you have four quarters or 20 nickels, you still have a dollar. And whether the person next to you is rocking 100 pennies, you got a clean, clean, crisp $1 bill, they're still trying to serve God. Don't judge nobody. They're still chasing after God. Whether you got 50, 50 cents, just, you know, two 50 cent pieces, and, 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 you, and the person next to you might have 10 dimes, you still equal a dollar. You're still trying to chase after God's heart. And so I want this year that as we see the lost come in, we don't judge. Maybe you're coming into this place today and you're lost. And I would tell you today, we don't judge you. We love you. We accept you as you are. And with that, and with that, I'll, yeah, that, 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 that's something to clap about. With that, I'll add this, that just because we accept you as you are does not mean who you are is acceptable. But the love of God, yeah, yeah, but the love of God covers a multitude of sin. But it's the hand of man that wipes away the blood. He says, look, look, look what they're doing. Look what he's doing. Look what she's doing. That's not God. God's the judge. You're the brother. You're the sister. You cover him in love. Don't come to me talking bad about him, brother. I'm going to cover him every time. And that's what we should do with each other. Cover each other in love, joy, and peace. Amen? Listen, let me tell you something. If you want, some of you have filled this altar week after week. You know, some of you have come week after week. In this last seven to eight weeks, we've had so many people enter the church and so many people join in that we're moving to two services. I think that's amazing. I want you guys to shout that loud when I need more volunteers. But anyways, listen, what I'm, today I was pretty glad. It was a light crowd today. I was just like, you know, Lord, every day it's like a club in here. People standing on the walls and everything. I just, Lord, I don't want that no more. I'm just kidding. But, you know, I, as you've come in, and some of you maybe thought you didn't have purpose at first. And some of you are ignited with the fact that this year you're going to fulfill a purpose. Well, I would challenge you that that purpose is only activated through seeking God. Listen, you can never get, you can never, ever get to where God wants you to be with just a Sunday relationship with God. And I'm not talking about coming here on Monday for prayer. I'm not talking about coming here for Wednesdays for Bible studies or whatever we do this week, whatever it is we're doing on our program. I'm talking about a one-on-one relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, talking to him daily, reading your Bible, worshiping in your cars, just seeking, literally seeking after God, changing the way you live, the way you talk to people, the way you talk to your kids. Maybe you're a kid, the way you talk to your parents changing what we do, and having real change in your life. You know, some of you are sitting here and saying, you know, Pastor, that just sounds so good, but I really feel just so far from God. I've said some really mean things about God. I've done some things to God. Listen, God says that when, 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 when you ask for forgiveness, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And not only that, he said in the book of Isaiah, that he will remember our sins no more. And although your family might remember them and your husband or your wife might, kids might throw it in your face, parents, and all that stuff. God doesn't remember it, and that's the beauty of it. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. if my people who are called by my name, if you would just humble yourself and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I'll heal the land. That's a 
promise of God worth chasing after. Jeremiah 29 verse 12. And you will call upon me. And I will hear you. You will pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Verse 14. And I will be found by you. I'll be found by you. I'll be found by you. Come on, stand with me right now. Man, I really, I really believe with all my heart that God, he wants us to pursue him with our whole hearts, with our whole heart. Not just a piece. God wants everything. Come on, could I ask you to do me a favor right now and just bow your heads? Maybe you're new here and that feels weird for you and that's all right. No one's going to come touch you. Just bow your heads and close your eyes and let's just give God the next few minutes and focus in on his presence. Not looking at no one around you. Not focusing on anyone. If you're sitting here and still think that we're not saved, that's all right. Think we're still crazy and that's cool too. Hey, Jesus said no student is above his teacher and if the world hated me they're going to hate you too but outside of that I want to ask you a question right now come on with every head body of your eye closed except for you ushers keep your eyes open (laughs) I really want to ask you maybe you come here to this altar in the past couple of weeks and that's, that's fine that's cool I'm just looking for some people today who want a life of purpose to feel like you're a part of something bigger than just yourself. To feel like, you know what, God has more for me than just this life, this nine to five job, whatever your job is, whatever hours you work, man, God has so much more than me just living a busy life. God wants more from me and maybe you're doing stuff in your church and maybe you're active in your church and maybe some of you are visiting and that's great, that's cool, but you know what, I guarantee you, God can do so much more through you. Second Chronicles 7.14, it declares that if we would humble ourselves, if we would make ourselves low basically is what he's saying, if we would make ourselves low if we would lay down our will and and give him his will I want to do two things or three things rather, the first one come on, with every head, body, every eye closed the first one is this, is this if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you never made that real commitment to him maybe you have and you haven't done it in years and you walked away and you're just visiting us today or for the last couple of weeks but you want God like nothing else and you you came here looking for something and maybe you're thinking you're finding it right now you want God come on with every head bowed no one's looking at you come on no one looking around I want you just to shoot your hand up really quickly come on thank you thank you thank you thank you come on I got about seven I got about eight people you can put your hands down you can put your hands down I want to ask the rest of you in this room today some of you who know you have a purpose you're walking with God you're, you're fighting the fight you're keeping the faith as Paul said man it's been great or some days have been great because we know that when we're really keeping the faith all hell breaks loose but yet you want to humble yourself before the Lord today if that's you could you just lift your hand for me have a purpose and you want to pursue it desperately chasing after God's heart come on how many God chasers are in the building today come on this is great how many God chases in the building? You say, you know what? I want to pursue. I want to pursue. I want to pursue. I want to go after him. I want everything he has for me. Come on. I don't want some of him. I want the whole thing. I want all that God has for my life. Come on. If that's you, just shoot up your hand really quickly. Come on. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's good. Come on. There's still people lifting their hands. They got about a hundred hands lifted right now. Come on. This is awesome. Chasing after God's heart. Not through, just, just chasing after him. 
just a little bit, God. God, I want just something, God. I can't live one more day without knowing what you've created me to be. God, I don't want to be that person not doing what you've called me to do. But God, I want something greater. I want something greater. All right, all right, all right. You can put your hands down. That was great. That was emotional. The music got loud. Oh my God, that was so good. You felt God welling up in you. But now, come on. Now it's time to get real. If you raise your hand, I want you to be obedient to God today. I really do. I want you to be obedient to God. And Lori, if you can kick those people off that road right there, push that road back. I want you to come and press in as close as you can. And I want you to humble yourself. And how can I humble myself? I'm just going to take a knee at the altar. Just take a knee. Come on. Just come and bow down. Before, if you're physically able. I don't want to put nobody out. But if you're physically able and you lifted your hand, you lifted that hand, I want you to be obedient and kneel down. And maybe if the altar gets too packed, you can sit at your seat and kneel down. But yet the Bible says, if he would just call upon him with our whole heart, this is what revival looks like. This is revival right here. When God breathes a fresh breath of life into people who thought you were living, but you were really dead. And now you're saying, come on, I want to press in. I want to press into the presence of God. Because you know what? You know what? I want God's heart. I don't want my heart. I want God's heart. I want to see what God sees. I want to be a God chaser. I want to be a God chaser. Come on, if you're stuck in the aisle, kneel right in the aisle. If you're stuck right there, just kneel right where you're at. That's right, move the furniture if you have to. Move it all. Because today, we want to be pursuers of the presence of God with our whole heart. And listen, if you're standing in your seat, we love you, that's fine. But yet, look around you, people are pursuing the presence of God. People want God's heart. If you're here at this altar, I want you to begin to pray right now and say, God, I want your heart. And I don't want you to leave until you feel and break something in you. God, I want your heart. God, I want your heart. God, I want everything you have for me. Come on. If you have to cry, let it out. If you're making a decision for Christ today, let it out.